are listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Welcome into a special BGN Radio. It's the Darius Slay Emergency Show. And to do all this, Michael Kist here has brought in the entire BGN Radio crew, Jimmy Kemsky, Brandon Lee Gowton, may he reign forever, Benjamin Solak. We'll start with Jimmy. Jimmy, how you doing today, brother? How you feeling? This is very exciting. Four-man pod. I, I'm worried that we're going to be talking over each other. Let's see if we can do it. It's going to be a mess. Brandon Lee Gowton, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> uh, I'm doing well, Mike. Uh, big news. The Eagles finally did something. Yeah. And it took a whole eight hours, and the Eagles fans have been rewarded for their patience that they displayed throughout this entire process. I don't know how they did it. Benjamin Solak, how are we feeling today? Beautiful. Good contribution, Ben. All right. So what we're here to talk about today is the trade for Darius Lay, the Eagles finally land their cornerback, the 29-year-old Slay from the Lions. Uh, the Eagles gave up a third and a fifth. This was their original picks for those selections. So the Eagles 85th and 166th overall from the 2020 NFL Draft goes to the Lions. It also means that they'll still have their 103, that compensatory pick in the third, and a pick 168 in the fifth. Overall, they still have eight total picks uh, to bring in the veteran. We know the terms of the deal, at least like the baseline terms. It's a three-year, up to $50 million deal, 30 guaranteed, makes him the highest paid corner in the league, puts him 0.2 million above Byron Jones, who was signed by the Dolphins, 16.5 versus 16.7 mil per year. Now, Slay is also playing on his $10 million base salary this year. That contract extension goes through 2023 for the Eagles. Uh, let's kick it to Jimmy first. Your initial reaction to this trade. Do you like it? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Yeah, so I look at it two different ways. When the Eagles are heading into free agency, I thought they would have been much wiser to just you know overpay a little bit for Byron Jones and keep mm. all their draft picks. Um, after they missed on Byron Jones, and by all accounts, they were very interested in Byron Jones, you know, they still had to get a good cornerback. So like, you know, in, in a vacuum, when I look at the Darius Slay trade, a three and a five and paying them what they paid them is fine. So I'm, I have no problem with them doing what they did in that regard. But for me, I'd have preferred the other option. Does, does, does the draft pick compensation bug you that much with it just being a third and a fifth? Did you expect it to be more? Because I think a lot of people were expecting possibly the first round pick to be in play. I don't think it was, but I think at least a second was what people were thinking. Yeah, I think all along um, the idea was that it was going to be a day two pick. I had never heard anything about it being a first round pick. So it was, for me, it was either going to be a two or a three. And then it became pretty clear in my opinion that it was going to be a three. Based on you know the Lions uh, signed uh, what's his face from the Falcons, and, and that's uh, been true font. Yeah, yeah. And they paid him a decent amount of money, and Slay was saying pretty much every day on Twitter, uh, "Trade me, trade me, trade me, trade me." So their leverage was kind of uh, dwindling a bit. Of course, you know from the Eagles' perspective, they didn't. You know their lack of leverage was in the fact that you know they missed on Byron Jones, and currently their outside corners are whoever you want to pick between Sidney Jones, Rizul Douglas, and Avante Maddox. So they had to bring in somebody, uh, a legitimate good corner. So, you know, I, I can understand where, um, you know, the thinking might be that it was going to be a two, but it wound up being a three, and it was the Eagles' original three as opposed to the compact three as you let off the show with. You know, I think that's pretty fair compensation. You throw on the five, fine, whatever. But, uh, again, I'd have preferred just to have the other good cornerback in those two picks. 
Yeah, obviously the Eagles were in on Byron Jones, missed out on that. Apparently they were sniffing around other cornerbacks like Desmond Trufant, who I was in on. I thought would be an upgrade over the Eagles cornerback position from last group, but just about anything would be an upgrade. So they still have work to do there. BLG, are you concerned that this is the next Nandi Osmov, which is what you were saying before the show? <laughs> literally what yeah, you I mean, said. Expose him, Mike. Expose him. <laughs> There's literally no difference at all. It's the same exact situation in every possible way. Um, that that was our, that was my, that's, that's really my big argument here. Now, uh, uh, just going off of, I, I agree a, a lot of what Jimmy has to say. I guess, Kind of looking at like the big picture of everything is how I'll take this, my little part here. And what the Eagles have done this offseason, like I'm a little confused, I guess, by some things when you look at the big picture of it. Like I think a lot of the moves they've made so far make sense in a vacuum. Like, yes, they added Javon Hargrave, I think, really good player. Uh, you know, they, they added uh, Darius Slay, really good player. They got rid of Malcolm Jenkins. They needed to get younger uh, and not pay money. But it's just like, okay, so just getting back to the younger thing, Harry Roseman obviously said that was a big point of emphasis this offseason. And 29 isn't the oldest player. I get it. But it's also not the youngest player. And uh, I just think Byron Jones would have been the more ideal fit from that standpoint. And in addition to the age thing, you have uh, the draft pick considerations in mind where, you know, Jeffrey Lurie last year is at the NFL owners meeting saying, hey, we need to pick in volume. We've made the fewest picks in the NFL. Well, he didn't say this, but this ended up being the case where uh, between the 2018 and the 2019 NFL draft, the Eagles have only made 10 picks total tied with the Titans for the fewest in the league. And when you look at the Eagles roster, they have arguably the least talented or the fewest amount of uh, talented young players in the NFL. So, uh, I don't love it from that standpoint. That's kind of the context I don't love it in. I do think Slay is an awesome player. I do wonder if he will be declining because he's coming off, you know, obviously his what many people agree to be his worst season last year. So that's my concern with it. Yeah, and as far as Slay's numbers last year, I think it's important to note that Slay did give up his worst quarterback rating since 2016, if I'm not mistaken, with a 86.9 rating allowed when targeted. However, the Detroit Lions did have the 30th ranked pressure rate in the NFL per PFF, and he often, very often, travels with wide receiver one. So you could see why that number, you know, needs some extra contact. So you know, maybe a down year, but like when I watch the film, I don't think I see a different slay. What about you, Ben? Do you see a different slay when you watch the film from last year than what you've seen historically? And uh, do you like love hate this pick? Yeah, no, I think you, you see a, a good football player on a bad football team, and you see a, a good football player who doesn't want to be on the bad football team and is not enjoying <laughs> his time on the bad football team. It's not a, it's not a situation says, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of players on the Detroit Lions underwhelmed relative expectation. That's how you get a team picking three overall, right? It's everybody kind of as a piece of the pie not playing that well. So certainly Slay didn't have one of his best seasons last season. It's funny to me because... What was the one thing we heard about Byron Jones? Oh, the Eagles should sign Byron Jones. Big contract. I wrote the piece for, for Bleeding Green. Eagles should throw the whole bag at Byron Jones. And the, the biggest detraction was no interceptions. He's no, no plays in the football. Darius Slay is the second most interceptions in the league over the last three years combined. <laughs> Nobody's saying jack about it, right? <laughs> like, you know, we, 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 we always find our, our concerns. And, like, that's the reality is all of these players do have concerns. You know, you have analysts out there saying right now Darius Slay is a flat-out better player than Byron Jones. I don't agree. And Byron Jones being younger and being being newer to the position makes me even more excited about his profile. I think Jimmy put it the best opening sentence. Man, I wish they would have signed Byron Jones. Man, I wish they would have told Byron Jones, name the price tag that'll get you to come here. Maybe they did. Maybe Byron Jones said, listen, I'm going to Miami. Screw you guys. It's cold up there. Your fans are mean. Like, you know, maybe maybe, maybe they were out of the running more than we ever realized. 
honest. But once you missed out on Byron Jones, whether it's because of reticence from Howie or it's because of Byron Jones's camp, you're at a point where you need to address the corner position. Slay is clearly the second best corner available. Even when Trufant and Chris Harris hadn't signed, Slay is still clearly number two. And 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 Slay's uh, distaste with the Lions led to his price being a, a three and a five, which really isn't that bad for a player of Slay's caliber. Is it ideal? No. I wish I could see Byron Jones in Philly. But you got to get good ball players to win football games. And Terry Slay is a really good corner. Yeah, a good point on the interceptions there. And I think like the whole... Age thing is a bit overblown, and this is something that I've talked about before, and I'm going to kick it to Jimmy here in a second to kind of fight me on this because, I mean, really, what are we talking about with the cornerback group? Because they've been one of the youngest groups in the league over the past, you know, several years, and they haven't really been able to get anything done. 29 to me isn't that old, and I think it's 10 months until he turns 30, if I'm not mistaken. So adding a veteran piece like that, I mean, Malcolm Jenkins is on his way out. Jason Peters on his way out. Josh McCown on his way out. They're all they're already getting younger that way. Safety was a position I really felt they needed to get younger in if we were looking at like specific spots. Wide receiver as well is another one of those. Perhaps long snapper because John Doribos is old. They can cut him if they want to drop that average age a little bit. Uh, but I'm not necessarily concerned about uh, uh, Slay's age at all. What about you, Jimmy? Because I know you're you're big on the, the average age thing. You've talked about it a lot. What do you think about adding an older corner? What do you think they should add opposite to them? Should they look away from a guy like a Prince Mukamara, who's going to be 31 years old, or should they look to the draft to try to develop? A yeah, guy? on the age point, it's not necessarily even the um, the average age of the team. That's part that's part of right. the uh, formula. But I think the bigger thing for me was uh, heading into the season last year. Anyway, they had more players that were 29 years of age or older than than any other team in the NFL. So it wasn't just the average age; it was just the number of players that were really getting up there. And you know, at some point. Those guys are all going to decline at the same time, and then you're turning the entire roster over, and it's a complete rebuild. So I guess that would just be the concern there. Slay at 29, really not ideal, but it's not that big a deal, I don't think. I mean, you have to kind of account for maybe him going into decline by the end of his you know, contract, which, again, is four years, not three necessarily. Um, the one thing I will note, actually, is uh, – well, before I get to that, the, I guess the difference between Slay and Jones isn't even two years. It's, it's a matter of uh, like 15 to, to 16 months or something like that. So yeah. it's not a major yeah. difference in, in terms of the age between those two players. But one thing I will know, you asked Ben a minute ago about uh, the, the film. And I haven't – you know, I, I, I'm not going to watch film of a player that they might pick. I'll, I'll kind of look at right. that now that they've now that they've gotten them. But, but I did, <laughs> <laughs> but I did uh, hear from uh, – an NFL guy who uh, is would be biased here, but he said to look at the Slay versus Amari Cooper tape and the Slay great, versus yeah. the Cameron Sutton tape, which I don't I don't know when mm. exactly they played the uh, Broncos during the year, but they, they they were saying that those were the two games where he really showed uh, sort of his you know uh, near elite level skills. Yeah, and he really shut down Amari Cooper, especially when you compare it to what Amari Cooper Did I say Cooper Cameron Sutton, by the way? Done. I meant Cortland Sutton. You did. No, against Cam Sutton, <laughs> corner v. corner. It was a matchup <laughs> for the ages. I've actually got some stats on that. Yeah, uh, Amari Cooper against Philadelphia, five games. He's got 44 targets, four touchdowns, 11.1 uh, yards per, per catch or attempt or, or target or whatever. Uh, 98 yards a game with a 64% catch rate. Cooper against uh, Detroit with Slay there, two games, 12 targets, zero touchdowns, 3.5 yards per target, 21 yards per game with a 33% catch rate. The 2019 meeting between Slay and Cooper was domination for Slay. 
So again, this is a guy who travels around with wide receiver one, even in a down year, he's doing that to Amari Cooper. I remember the battle with Keenan Allen was fantastic and Keenan got him a couple times. Slay into that sucker with an interception and had some plays as well. So this is a guy that still can play with the top level talent. Obviously, with the age, you hope he doesn't drop off. We don't know. Uh, we can't see the future. But uh, BLG, any final thoughts on how you're feeling about this trade? Would you go thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, a firm thumb sideways for me, uh, as people <laughs> often do when judging things. Coward. Uh, a, a natural thing. Yeah, a really uh, good take in terms of uh, not being a fancy Fencerton. Um, I, I think, again, just to reiterate, like I don't dislike Darius Slay as a player at all. Like Watching his highlights, he's awesome. I have um, some Lions fan friends, some guys from our, our friends over at Pride of Detroit. And so I kind of have a, you know, a little bit of a extra attention maybe on the lines than maybe the, the average Eagles fans would. So I really like Darius Slay and they all obviously like Darius Slay. And my friend uh, Alex Reno here, who kind of gave me some insight for bleedinggreennation.com, said he feels like Slay can be an elite corner still. And part of the reason why he wasn't so great in Detroit, um, especially last year, was the just, you know, he he doesn't think he's a, a pure man corner, thinks he's going to do better in zone. He also kind of, but one concern I will highlight, and this kind of goes to the age thing and the injury thing, is that, okay, so Slay has never missed more than three games in the season. That's good. And then he's only missed nine games over his career. Also, you know, fairly good. The issue is like he had a lot of nagging injury issues last year, which seemed to contribute in part to his poor play. Um, so that's not the best thing. Maybe he can get over it and it's not an issue moving forward, but that's yes, just kind of players who get over a nagging injury in Philadelphia. Of course. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> we'll come here. The medical staff will fix it. It's, it's no big issue. Um, so that's just part of the concern with me. It's just like, okay, is this guy going and that, and being more serious about the nominee thing, which again is not a real comparison, although <laughs> I'm literally saying it's the same thing. It's just that like, is this player, like, I know this player has been good. We're not debating that. It's just like, how does he project moving forward? That's the kind of where my mind's at. I do have a take, right. which is like yeah. Darius Slay does have the personality that projects as I want to be really good at my new team because screw you, Matt Patricia. Like in terms of <laughs> the motivation to come back and like have a bounce back season, Slay does kind of have that vibe to me. Um, I like I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm more worried about the nagging injury thing than I am anything else in terms of like yeah. how he's going to translate to Philly. I don't think we're going to have a lunch in the car situation. Yeah, I think it's going to be totally different than that. All right. I'm going to open the floor up before we go to break here. Anybody with a last word on Darius Slate, just jump in right now. Perfect. Okay. All right. <laughs> Jimmy. Yes. Give the throw it to break. Uh, back up to this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we are back here on BGN Radio, the Darius Slade emergency show. All four guys here, BLG, Jimmy Kemsky, Michael Kist, Benjamin Solak. We got SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation bringing it to you. So along with Slade, the Eagles made another move. You wouldn't know it by how people were reacting on Twitter, but the Eagles 
have also brought in interior defensive linemen. Javon Hargrave, it's a three-year deal worth $39 million at the time, and somebody already beat this deal, but it made him the uh, quote-unquote highest-paid nose tackle uh, in the league. Hargrave, obviously, not just a nose tackle, spent over half of his time working in different alignments for the Steelers along that uh, pretty solid defense last year, working three-tech in different positions like that. I'm a big Hargrave fan. His third in pass rush productivity for the Pittsburgh, actually, sorry, for the interior defensive lineman in the league last year. So he's not just a run stuffer. He's not just a nose tackle. He's a pass rusher. I think the big question right now for the Eagles as far as justifying this pick, because I'm never going to complain about, hey, you know, a few days ago, the Eagles were a team that didn't have Javon Hargrave and Darius Slay. And now they're a team that do have two really, really good players. One of them, a young ascending talent. I'm never going to really complain about that too much. But I think The concern that I've seen out there is that the Eagles have dumped so much money into the interior defensive line. I think it's a combined like cap hit of like around 50 or 52 mil is what I think I've seen for Hargrave, Malik Jackson, who they signed last year, and Fletcher Cox. Uh, Jimmy, any concern with the amount of money that they're dumping into this specific position? Do you understand the plan for the future or are you a bit confused? Yeah, um, I didn't even look at him. as as I I mean, I looked at him uh, and... I thought that I thought they had no shot. I love the player. I didn't think they were going to go after. <laughs> right. Him. I mean, because they already have a lot of money tied up in Fletcher Cox and Malik Jackson, blah blah blah. blah. And it was a pretty good chance they're going to bring back Hassan Ridgeway again, which they did before they signed Javon Hargrave. Uh, my understanding is that they really liked Javon Hargrave uh, during the 2016 draft, and it was actually between him and uh, Isaac Sayamalo on who they're going to take. They wound up taking Sayamalo. Um, so now they got them both. <laughs> but you know, obviously they're paying a ton of money to that defensive tackle group. And I kind of understand why, like you look at 2019 and you have, you know, three different defensive tackles go down with injuries. Uh, Jackson misses 15 games. Ridgeway misses nine games. Uh, Timmy Jernigan has obviously had injury problems the last two years. And then back to 2018, Jernigan missed a bunch of games during that season as well. So I wouldn't say that, you know, their defensive tackle injuries derailed their defense completely. But certainly it was a a thought-to-be position of strength uh, heading into 2019 and wound up not being that. I think, you know, you add a guy like that and, you know, you don't don't do this to get – you don't do this deal to to get more out of Fletcher Cox. But I do think that is sort of a um, a side benefit of bringing in, you know, all this extra talent there. You can't focus in on him as much as maybe you did. And if you do focus in on Fletcher Cox, then you have guys that can make you pay on the the single block. So, you know, in a vacuum, like Brandon said before, I really do like – the player, and I think he's going to contribute. I do wonder if they have too many resources wrapped up in that one position, though. Ben, you did the article for Hargrave for BleedingGreenNation.com. Yeah. What did you see when you worked through his film? Dude's a fridge, man. He's awesome. <laughs> I mean, he's so he's super dense, right? He's really, really thick, immovable guy, and that's why he's so valuable. Yeah, no, exactly. That dude's on the chart for sure. Now, it, it, it was valuable in Keith Butler's defense. Butler ran a similar defense that Dick LeBeau ran for many years in Pittsburgh because they ran a lot of multiple fronts. So you need a guy who can sit over the center and gobble up space when you have an odd front, when you have a three-man front. That's what lets your linebackers run and play behind you, and that's why you had so many good Pittsburgh linebackers for Dick LeBeau over all those years. 
that being said, it, it's not uh, an exclusive, you know, Mike Nolan, three-man front, the end. Like, they had a lot of versatile fronts. So there are those reps you can find Hargrave in tilted alignments and, and head up in a gap, which is much more familiar to what he's going to do in Philadelphia. He was very successful in those reps. The, the, the classic Eagles defensive lineman under Jim Schwartz is explosive. We always hit the first step, get upfield with the first step. And when you look at Malik Jackson and Fletcher Cox, they have more longer, more, more linear builds, whereas Hargrave is like a bowling ball, right? So Hargrave doesn't win with that first step explosiveness so he's not that mold but he still wins when he's head up in a gap he's really good hands he's got tremendous power and then he does have better lateral quickness than you'd expect for a guy of his frame so hargrave is going to be not the eagles primary pass rusher on long and laid downs this day that, that he doesn't win in the way that we're used to the eagles defensive line winning but he's going to play on all three downs and he's going to play the the interior de- uh, defensive tackle roles as close to the center as possible he's going to compromise pocket integrity on all three downs so he's going to be able to push the center back on running plays he's going to be able to prevent the quarterback from climbing up on passing plays and then he's an effective stunt and twist player as well when they bring their third down blitzes so he fits what they like even though the mold he he's an he's an atypical non-traditional player i'll be interested to see how the snap cat snap counts end up falling between him and malik jackson assuming malik is fully healthy i would not be shocked if we see hargrave cox and malik jackson all on the field on third down fairly frequently yeah i would expect to see some five-man surfaces too and i would expect to say i would hope to see fletcher cox you know, just under that 80% mark for for snaps, keeping him fresh where he's most effective. BLG, how did the Eagles and Howie Roseman screw this one up? Okay, so again, uh, <laughs> going back to what I said earlier, uh, I think uh, John Hargrave is literally Namdi Asama, uh as well. So um, I think the issue, though, it's not even an issue. I just the way I look at it is it goes back to the vacuum thing, which Jimmy referenced which he referenced me reference. So double reference there. That's cool. Uh, just like a real inception here. Yeah. I, I get it in that. Like he's a very good player and you want to add good players to your team. Like we can all agree on that. Right. That's a good thing. Yep. And that's uh, where the end of the conversation should be. No more, no more words. That's the end. It's that simple. I, I just think it, it does go back to the resources and especially just in light of, especially at the time, now the Eagles, okay, they filled at least somewhat, they they filled a need somewhat by acquiring Darius Slay. So it kind of allows you to feel better when the Eagles are, are filling their other needs and they, in addition to adding Hargrave, it's just kind of a question of, okay, like what are they still going to do at wide receiver? And, you yeah. know, what are they, what is still even going on in the secondary? Because we don't even fully know like what that picture is looking like yet still yeah. with, Malcolm Jenkins out the door. They resigned Jalen Mills, Mills, but he's listed as a safety slash cornerback, and it seems like they're apparently kind of fluid of where they're going to play him, depending on who else they sign. And I'm sure we'll see some more signings in the secondary uh, come. But don't love really bringing Rodney McLeod back. Um, just Jimmy and I have kind of highlighted that on BGN Radio. So just Stunk looking at like, season. yes, so, I, 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 he did. He, no, he did. You're right. And just look, so looking at it at a whole, kind of just trying to take the big picture of you again, like I, I just wonder about some things. I do think all of what's going on here really speaks to the influence and power that Jim Schwartz has in this organization. Yeah. And that's something Jeff McLean did a good job of reporting on last year. And I mean, look, look where all the Eagles are spending their resources so far. And look, you know, look at the fact that Darius Slay uh, entered the league as a second round pick under Jim Schwartz in Detroit back in 2013. So I think Jimbo as you guys call him on the Kissin' Select show, uh, certainly is influencing a lot this offseason. 
Yeah, and, and that kind of comes into play with what I want to talk about next here because apparently the Eagles are reportedly sniffing around, and this is according to Jason Lockhand Forrest, so take it with the biggest grain of salt in the freaking universe. But apparently the Eagles, quote-unquote, have a lot of interest in Jacksonville the Jaguars defensive end Yannick Ngaukwe. I, I think what that would mean, and, and Ngaukwe is currently under the franchise tag with the Jacksonville Jaguars, would probably want to work out a deal before a trade, kind of like you know the whole slate thing, but... It would also mean that Derek Barnett would be on the outs, in my opinion, if the Eagles were to bring in Ngalkwe, or am I wrong with that? And am I wrong to even consider the fact that Jimbo, who BLG was pointing out before the show, you know, his daughters wear Derek Barnett jerseys <laughs> right. to the games. Am I wrong to think that, like, this is probably not going to happen because of those factors? Jimmy, what do you think? Yeah, so no matter what you or me or anyone else thinks of Derek Barnett, I think the... uh the Eagles have really gone way, way out of their way, uh, consistently, that is, to say how much they love Derek Barnett. And I mean, they they defend him uh vociferously. Is that the right word? Um every yeah, time sure. uh every every time he is questioned in um in, in press conference settings. I mean, they they go way, way out of their way to defend him, uh talking about his toughness and uh they, they really like his skill set, even if he, you know, he hasn't been able to stay healthy and and uh, kind of, you know, put together a full season. Um, so, again, it, w- regardless of what you and I think, they they love that guy. And then, obviously, they love Brandon Graham. And the uh, and we all saw, watching All or Nothing, sort of the uh, the leadership qualities that he brings to the table. So I kind of find the Yannick and, and Gakwe report, you know, hard to, hard to believe, frankly. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I didn't think they were going to spend uh, a lot of money on, on – not that he's going to be the third defensive tackle, but – a third defensive tackle. So, you know, maybe they, they're just loading up on that defensive line and and trying to win a Super Bowl that way. BLG, fact or fiction, Eagles are pursuing Yannick Ngakwe? Uh, probably fiction for the reasons okay. that Jimmy listed that I think the Eagles like. I think this has been a theme going back to last summer, which is why I was kind of frustrated originally when the Jadavion Clowney rumors popped up. By the way, he's still a free agent. Eagles can sign him <laughs> if they want. No controversy there. Can you there. imagine if they brought in Clowney after the Seahawks playoff game? Can you imagine? <laughs> And they can do it without giving up picks, too, which they're going to have to do with Ngakwe. And and he couldn't hurt Carson Wentz. I mean, there's the big selling point right there. (laughs) Wow, the biggest reason they sign him. Uh, yeah, so I don't think it's it's going to happen because I think the Eagles really like their defensive line and their defensive linemen more than uh, most people do. Let's let's go to Ben. We'll kind of do uh, we'll kind of go around the horn here. Ben, any thoughts on Ngaukwe? And then give me one free agent must have that is on the top of your wish list right now for the Eagles. Okay, listen, hear me out. Are you ready? So, oh boy. A-gap, Javon Hargrave, other mm-hmm. A-gap, Fletcher Cox, mm-hmm. B-gap, Malik Jackson, other B-gap, Vinny Curry? Maybe Josh Ooh. Sweat? C-gap, mm-hmm. Derek Barnett, C-gap, Yannick Ngakwe. Don't even need linebackers anymore. We just put safeties <laughs> and corners behind that. The 605 this... defense? Yeah, you know, man, <laughs> Jim Schwartz out here revolutionizing, going from the wide nine to the compressed six. But anyway, so, it's which it's, 10 players are in the box. Right, exactly. As long as we're, we're got a guy in every gap, we're fine. Like Yannick Ngakwe is the ideal Jim Schwartz wide nine edge, but it just does not make sense how the roster is constructed. So, like, would I love to see it? Yes. Given how the Jacksonville Jaguars have made their moves, is there a chance that, like, you can send Alshon and get Yannick in a second round pick back? Probably. <laughs> like, you know, this, I'm not ruling anything out when it comes to Jacksonville at this point, but I just I, I, I don't understand how it would come to pass. Um, Eagles need safety help. Badly right now, projected starters of Ronnie McLeod, who was not as good coming off of injury as I thought a lot of people thought he was, in my opinion. And then Jalen Mills, who 
wasn't good at corner, so let's just put him at safety and assume <laughs> it'll be better. Um, God knows what's happening there. And let's not forget, this is a team that has struggled in multiple seasons because of safety depth problems as well when they try to get nickel and big dime out on the field. And so they're in desperate need of multiple players at the position. The safety market is still pretty active. Hawkland Dix hasn't been signed. Demarius Randall hasn't been signed. Um, I know Will Parks out of uh, Denver they're interested in. He's got some of the... Uh, the, the off-field concerns. I don't know if he's necessarily the guy they want in the locker room. Um, uh, Von Bell, who was in New Orleans, who they yeah. left and then subsequently signed Malcolm Jenkins as a guy who can do some box stuff as well for you. I think safety is the spot where I would hope that they would make another move. So I think there's a lot left on the market and you can get a pretty cheap guy to at least give you an insurance policy to the whole, let's put Jalen Mills at safety. This will solve everything theory. So, you know, I've been in on uh, drafting a safety, getting young at safety for a few years now. So that's not necessarily sexy with what's on the board right now. We might have to deal with that in the draft. But my top free agent, and I think I think Jimmy and BLG agree with me here. Yeah. Bashad Pregman. You know it. You know it. (laughs) Yeah. Is that that your guy too, uh, Jimmy? Yeah, either him or uh, if the price comes down significantly on Robbie Anderson. It'd be Mm, those two guys. And then, of course, your guy, your actually your favorite guy. To Marcus Robinson. Robinson. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding on that for myself, but I would say the two two guys that uh, I think make a lot of sense for them, not only because they need receiver help, but also because if you get a speed guy, then you don't really have to fixate on getting a speed guy in the draft. You just get the best receiver available in the draft. You know, again, Perryman or or Robbie Emerson. All right, BLG, do you have a guy outside of those guys or do you agree vociferously with one of those guys? Well, I'll just point out that the XFL did fold recently, and there's a certain <laughs> running back who is on the market right now. And, and the Eagles, you know, they, they lost Jordan Howard, so why not bring in? If Donald I Huff? hang up on this call, will it ruin the recording, Mike? I don't believe so. Just send oh. me your audio file. You should be good to go. <laughs> All right. Uh, la- last note. thoughts here. Who is it? Who? who, who Denal? Uh, oh, we had to. We had to say the name. We had to make sure we knew who it was. Well, there, are, there, are there any uh, Matt Jones fans here, too? Oh, wow. Uh, That's the deepest of deep cuts. McLuhan is still in the front office, or at least advising the front office. So, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so I I would probably say Perriman, too, just because of, like you guys said, the speed thing. And then touching on that, like a little bit further and getting back into the sleigh aspect is like, it's kind of a little bit harder now for the Eagles to trade up. It's not impossible. They still have the eight picks, but like to move up uh, as far as they might want to or need to, to draft one of the the presumed top three of, you know, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb. Henry Ruggs. Uh, it is a little bit harder now. So uh, that extra ideally, three was a nice chip. Yeah, ideally they can get a uh, someone here, um, like a uh, some kind of deep threat. Some kind they they have to get a veteran. I feel like in free agency, they like how can I get a veteran wide receiver, especially because of you're looking at how uh, like we might not have a real like typical NFL offseason. Uh, this season, like no OTAs and everything because of what's going on with the coronavirus. So like you can't be drafting like rookie wide receivers and expecting them just to be like instant difference makers for this team. Hmm. No, I agree with BLG a lot because like if you don't make a move that veteran for wide receiver, then you probably need a, a starter at wide receiver and a corner and maybe like safety or linebacker. So you're walking in with two, maybe three needs into the draft, which is highly dangerous to begin with when you only have one, 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 two, one, three. And then you don't have OTAs to develop them, which is terrifying. I think with the with the fact that they sold a three and they sold a five for Slay, they're more likely to trade back and get into that second tier of wide receivers, in my opinion, than they are to trade up and try to get back into the first for, for tier I'm wide receivers. There too. That's that's and and that's off of where we think the wide receivers are going now. It's very odd because like 
the like you keep hearing like Adam Kaplan had this tweet earlier that it was like the reason, you know, NFL source, the reason nobody's signing Robbie Anderson and Emmanuel Sanders is because this wide receiver class is so insanely historic. And it's like, all right, where are these guys really going to go? So, like, I don't know if we have a great feel for where exactly the top wide receivers are going to go yet. But right now, I would sense trade back from 21 is more likely than trade up. Yeah, I would agree. And I think the Cardinals getting out of the wide receiver game at number eight there with their trade for DeAndre Hopkins uh, pushes it back a little bit. But I think there are plenty of dangerous teams when it comes to selecting one of those top three receivers in the early teens, too. So you might have to move up pretty far. So trading up, trading back might be the option there. And maybe you trade back and that's where you find your safety. Maybe that's where you find your linebacker. Maybe that's why you're, you know, we'll see how all of this works out. Uh, anybody want to riff and I'll leave it open again and see if there's any takers. Anybody want to riff on the fact that Malcolm Jenkins took a lot less money than we expected him to take from the New Orleans Saints to move on from Philadelphia? I just think the Eagles didn't want him anymore. <laughs> I will accept oh. the reality of Malcolm Jenkins not being an Eagle some random week in June, but right now I'm not ready to get there. So. Yeah, I think okay, it's I think it's, I think it's a bad move, but yeah, I I think you know I think what this move showed was I mean, and the money that he got from New Orleans and how quickly he accepted that offer, yeah, shows yeah. that the Eagles just didn't want him anymore, and it's really as simple that's as a good that. Point. And that's frustrating, especially in the light of the Slay news, because it's like okay, they can they can pay Darius Slay, but they can't pay Malcolm Jenkins, and and part of just the sad part of it of Jenkins being a very favorite player of many and a guy who pretty much like did everything. It went way above and beyond in many respects for this team. Like it's just kind of a right. bummer to see. If um, Malcolm Jenkins yeah. isn't there to get Jalen Mills lined up correctly anymore, like what? <laughs> is, like I don't even. Ah man. And, and like the Saints, like I hate. Like, do we all agree that like the Saints are like arguably one of the <laughs> most detestable teams in the league for for a number of and, reasons? And like it, their, it just sucks to see him go back there. And also for, for and look in at their, terms of their like a team that's a back group. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead Mike. There we go. Now we and we got to minute thirty three before we started talking over each other. I'm really proud of you guys. Oh, yeah, you go ahead, man. Okay, yeah. So like to Brandon's point, as far as and not even detestable, but teams that seem to have the Eagles' number, you know, right. obviously. You know, uh, yeah. Washington team, Cowboys, Giants, they're the primary rivals. But then beyond them, the Saints and the Seahawks just totally have their number. Yeah, I'm so terrified of like an Eagles Saints divisional round playoff game. <laughs> and Malk just picks off Wentz like four times. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Saints safeties, Marcus Williams, who, by the way, low key stud. I think that dude is a star. Uh, I don't know. There. He missed uh, the tackles. Fun day. So he got to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> that one tackle it was a pretty big tackle i think he struggled the next year kind of dealing with that too but last year uh he was incredible you add malcolm jenkins to that and then you add chauncey gardner johnson who i'm still not bitter at uh at all for the eagles passing on multiple times when i was very high on him and had a great year they move around the nickel the the in the box at, at free safety they do a lot of different things with them so that safety group for the saints is basically looking like if if the eagles had like Listen to me and Ben just pound our heads against the table asking for a safety. It would have looked, looked a lot like that right now for the Eagles. But as it stands, they are still scrambling for answers. Uh, anybody have any closing words before we get out of here? I do. No, I think we should leave it on if the Eagles had listened to Ben and Mike. And then Jimmy and BLG shouldn't be able to say anything after that. Yeah, uh, that's a fact. <laughs> first of all, I'd like to say that I stopped listening to anything Ben said after he said uh, quadcast at the beginning. Yeah, that's um, fair. That's like, very like fair. That that's reasonable. Uh, many people probably turned off the podcast at that point or the quadcast. Uh, and also, hey, this is the first time, again, that we've ever done this with the four of us. I thought it went pretty well. If you like this format, maybe go leave a review in iTunes. Leave a rating. Five stars. Not two stars. Five stars. And uh, tweet us. 
on Twitter. You can uh, follow all of us. Ben will give the Twitter handle for everyone like he usually does. I'm guessing at the end here, but follow BGN radio on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. See, like, Ben, this is the biggest closing to a show of your life. I'm going to set you up for in a second, but I heard Jimmy pop in. Jimmy, what you got? So, like, I feel like these formats usually don't work in, like, TV, for example. Like, when you have, like, uh, you know, two TV shows on the same network, they try to, like, right, yeah. mix them together, like uh, like King of Queens and, like, every lo- Everybody Loves Raymond or something like that. But uh, <laughs> I think we pulled it off. It's a very special crossover episode. I love it. Ben, close it out. Thank you as always for listening to BGN Radio here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. He's Michael Kiss on Twitter at Michael Kiss NFL is KS. You have Benjamin Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's SLK. He's been Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at K- Jimmy Kemsky. That's K M P S K I. He's been Brandon Gowton on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. That's G O W T O. And we appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. We will talk to you later. Boom. We all we got. We all we need. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. BGN. <laughs>